I always try to uh, fix my errors. So <clears throat> turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 24 and page 60 in our book. 60, page 60, uh, and then Luke chapter 24. It, it's, it, it's interesting to me that uh, Easter uh, was last week and it, it, it coincided with our study uh, in our book of uh, the, the resurrection of Christ. So I, I, just, I, I just think the timing of that is pretty awesome. So we're going to finish we're going to finish this section here tonight, hopefully, and move on. Um, but uh, Jesus is the risen Lord. Uh, I think I gave you this blank, didn't I? Did I give you the, the ne- this next blank? Uh, the, um, the most secular evidence of Jesus' uh, deity, uh, or excuse me, yeah, what did I say, secular? So, okay, spectacular, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um, uh, <clears throat> spectacular evidence of Jesus' deity uh, was his bodily resurrection from the dead. Um, I, you know, needless to say, it was spectacular. We talked about that this morning. Uh, but in Luke chapter 24, verse 1, it says, uh, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing uh, the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. Now let, let me stop here, and I want to I want to I want to talk about this for a second. <clears throat> we we talked about it this morning, and that, that the Pharisees and the and the, and the scribes um, went to Pilate, right, and asked for guards to guard the tomb. Okay. Now, why do you think that these women? even had a thought of being able to go in and treat the body. Okay, it was the, it was the custom, but <clears throat> do you know why they were treating the body? Mm, no, no. Okay, after you've been dead, after three days... The custom was the on the third day you open the tomb and you treat the body with um, spices and, and different things, so that as the body decayed, then the the, the stench wouldn't be so bad. Does, does that make sense? But here you're dealing with a situation with guards guarding the tomb. And these ladies <clears throat> are going to go and pour this perfume on Jesus' body. Why did they think they, the guards were even going to let them get close? <laughs> oh, oh, you don't want to know what he said. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that was a that was dangerous. All, all all I have to say, all all, all I all, all I have to say was nice knowing you, Jim. <clears throat> um, but but seriously, have you thought about their thought process? Because everybody knew that the guards had been placed, 
and the tomb had been sealed. It, it could be. I, I don't have the answer. It's just it's just a question I've off, I've often pondered. Well, they had to have known. I, I mean, that's, yeah. Well, no, there were there were more. There there were more. Yeah, it could be. It could be. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So, you know, my 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 thinking is my thinking is that, like I think somebody said, that the assumption was that they would open the tomb, let them treat it, and then they would close it and reseal it. I I don't know. But anyway, so let's let's continue reading verse two. And they found the stone rolled away in the, uh, uh, from the sepulcher, and they entered in. Uh, and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, <coughs> excuse me, it came to pass as they were uh, much perplexed um, thereabout, behold, two men stood by them uh, in shining garments. Uh, and, uh, and as they were af- afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, uh, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Uh, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you uh, when he was yet in Galilee, saying, uh, The man, the, the, excuse me, the son of man uh, must be delivered into the hand of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day raised again. So, <clears throat> so we have. The account of Jesus's resurrection. The, the author here continues on. He says the resurrection of Jesus is, uh, as one man put it, uh, the crowning proof of Christianity, and and that is so very true, which we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, uh, particularly on Sunday morning. Uh, your next blank here. Jesus didn't raise from the dead secretly. Uh, in the Bible, uh, there are over. Ten different uh, uh, recorded appearances of Jesus after he rose from the dead. Which which was the first of the ten appearances? The, the, on the road to Emmaus. We talked about that this morning. Um, <clears throat> Acts chapter 1. Turn over to Acts chapter 1. Verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after uh, his passion by many uh, infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So, again, uh, he showed himself. Uh, Your next blank here. Uh, He showed himself uh, multiple times, one of which was to a gathering of over 500 people who testified as eyewitnesses. First Corinthians. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 15. 
verse 6. And after that, he was seen of uh, above 500 brethren at once. Okay, now, <clears throat> how many people were there? Okay, more than 500 brethren. Do you think there are any females there? Probably. What about children? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, 500 brethren at once, uh, who, uh, of whom uh, the greater part remain unto the present, uh, but some are fallen asleep. So in other words, uh, some of the 500 plus people that were there uh, had already died and passed on to glory. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, the, the majority of them were still alive, testifying of the fact that they had seen Jesus. So <clears throat> uh, Jesus not only died, but he rose from the grave uh, with a glorified body. Uh, he, was, uh, he has forever conquered death, so we who have trusted him as our Savior can know with certainty that we will live in heaven forever. Second Corinthians, over a few pages, chapter 5, in verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Um, I made the statement <clears throat> last week, I think it was, last week or week before, I can't remember, uh, I made the statement, I, I'm not afraid to die. I, I, I'm just not. Now, I'm not looking forward to it. I, I, it you know, the, the, the process of dying. <laughs> um, but I'm not afraid of it. Um, and here, you know, he's, he says here in Second Corinthians, you know, when we're absent from this body, we're, we're with the Lord. Um, and <clears throat> um, what, does the, what does the resurrection of Christ mean in our lives on a daily basis? This is a good question. And, and I, want, I want to get some feedback here. What does the resurrection of Christ mean in our daily lives? Because to be honest, if we don't make it personal and we don't make it daily, then the resurrection of Christ has very little impact on our lives. So, talk to me. Lori? Okay, all right, okay, what else? There you go, because he lives, we can face tomorrow, amen. What else? Yes, ma'am. Well, it puts it in perspective, and, and what what... When, when life is spinning out of control, and we're, we're, we've all been there, when life is spinning out of control, life seems bigger than God, doesn't it? 
But when we, when we put in perspective the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden our big problems don't seem so big anymore. I love that song. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I love that song. I just wish I knew how to sing it. <clears throat> yeah, or 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 on a motor on a motorcycle <laughs> inside a helmet going 90 miles an hour down the freeway. Uh, that's always a lot of fun too. <clears throat> um, anybody else, Jim? There you go. There you go. Amen. Patty? Amen. 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 Anybody else? There should be a peace and a contentment that should engulf our lives because of the resurrection. Because of all the things that we've talked about, there should be a peace and contentment. You know, I, now I, obviously I don't know Mrs. Fox, okay? I, I, I think we've, we met him one time. So I, I really don't know them. But I, I can say this, she misses her husband terribly. But she's not sitting on the couch all day, wringing her hands, going, oh, what am I going to do? I, I, I can almost guarantee she's not doing that. Now, does she miss him? Absolutely, I get that. But her, her, her life is more than that. Anybody else? Okay. <clears throat> Next blank here. Jesus will build the church. This is this the church is his church. And 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 the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um uh, <clears throat> uh, at the beginning of this lesson we saw Peter Peter's declaration that uh that Jesus is in fact God uh and uh it it is on this truth that Jesus said he would build his church. Matthew, turn over to Matthew, uh, chapter 16. And I say also, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, And I say also unto thee, uh, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, when we read this verse at the beginning of this lesson, I mentioned that the Catholic Church uses this verse to declare Peter what? The first pope. Okay, but the problem is they they claim that the the name Peter means stone or rock it 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 really doesn't uh, the word the, the name peter means pebble okay it is it is two different words here and also when jesus is making this statement he's using a personal pronoun referring to himself he said what he's saying is 
he's saying he's looking at Peter and he says he's basically saying upon this rock I will build my church <clears throat> so uh, we will learn in, in lesson nine when we get there um, but now uh, but for now notice that Jesus purchased the church when he died on the cross <clears throat> And because of his resurrection, he is the head of the church. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. And he is the head of the body. The church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That is, in all things, he might have the preeminence. So, <clears throat> what should be the goal of every local church? Okay, to be more like Christ, but more specifically to magnify and lift up Christ because this church is his church uh, just a just a few minutes ago uh, the building committee got together and we we talked about plans and and all this stuff for this expansion that we're wanting to do next door and you know all that is is fine and, and well but if God's not in it we're wasting our time you know, buildings, I want to be careful how I say this because we're trying to raise money to, to do this over here. <clears throat> but God is far more concerned with the hearts of the people in the church than he is the building of the church. Now, why do we, why in our society... Do we need buildings so that we can get out of the rain? Okay, it gives us a place to gather so that we can minister. The whole point of our expansion has to be how can we better serve God's people? Not, not hey, boy, we got a bigger church and we got a nicer church or we got this or we got that. That is the wrong reason. Our motivation needs to be and has to be how can we better serve God's people? That's why when God gave us the, the, the option of being able to expand, that's why... Uh, I felt it was important we, we as a church at least look at this option because <clears throat> meeting the needs of the people in our community has to be priority number one. Yes? A little thing that some people may not realize is so when we met with that lady on Friday and let her to the Lord, we were meeting in here because his office back there is so tiny and those who've been in that office and it's definitely not social distance. Um, 
So that new unit over there is going to allow for things like that right. without having to reconfigure chairs to be able to fit books and stuff. I mean, so there's many aspects that that's going to help, but that's just one of them. Right. We have, we, you know, one of the things we're, you know, we're going to have, our nursery is going to be over here. Uh, and, yeah, bigger and better than ever. But, but we have had families, and I understand this, okay? I truly do. When it was down on the other side of the restaurant, we had, we would have, we had families come and never came back because they were too detached from their children. And, and I get that. I, I really do get that. You know? So this is this whole thing. Anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that, but it's not about buildings. Is I guess what I'm trying to say. It's about ministry, and 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 it's his church. Okay. <clears throat> uh, next blank here. Uh, Jesus should be our uh, be Lord of our lives. Jesus should be Lord of our lives. And we again we talked about that this morning. <clears throat> uh, when you trusted in Jesus as Savior. Uh, you believed that you were a sinner in need of a Savior, and your good works were not enough to get you to heaven, but uh, that Jesus died on a cross to pay uh, for your sins. Uh, you believe in him and receive the gift of eternal life. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But your relationship... <clears throat> what the Lord doesn't end there. He wants uh, uh, He wants uh, to not only be your Savior, but He also wants to be your Lord, Master of your life. Uh, Luke, turn over to Luke, chapter six. Luke, Luke, chapter six. Verse 46, and they, and they call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. What, what, is, what is Jesus trying to communicate there? Okay, all right. Right, right, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, both of those are, are perfect examples. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's like uh, those of you that have kids know, know exactly what this is saying. You know, you tell, you tell your kids one thing, and they're, uh-huh, 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 and then they go out and do the total opposite, you know? And, and there are churches across this country. I made this statement, and my wife went home and looked it up uh, to make sure I was right. Uh, last, I think it was last week. Um, that the, the quote that I saw um, from A.W. Tozer uh, about the, the church today, if the Holy Spirit removed himself from the church today, many churches would just keep right on going and not even notice. And, and that's, what this is, this is, that's what this is talking about. You know, they say, Lord, Lord, <clears throat> And do not the things that I say. You know, churches become a social club instead of a place to learn and grow and, and to see lives change. Yeah, there you go. 
uh, my, our pastor of 20 years uh, said that our church should be, and I believe this should, it's true about our church too, uh, a, a church, a New Testament church should be a spiritual hospital where people can come and, and heal because we're in, we're in a world where there's a lot of hurting people around us. You next blank here. But the Bible tells us that obedience to the Word of God is a characteristic of a true believer in Jesus. If we love the Lord, we will gladly obey Him. Underline the word gladly. <laughs> okay? Now turn over to John. John chapter 14. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. How, how hard is that verse to understand? <laughs> it's, it's an easy concept, is it not? If you love me, keep my commandments. Just do it, do as I ask. Next blank. <clears throat> we are not to simply study uh, God's word for information, but for application. And this kind of goes to what Patty was saying just a few minutes ago. It's not, it's not just to be able to say, well, I read through the Bible in a year. What, what good does that do? <laughs> not a lot. I mean, it helps. Don't get me wrong. It helps. But God is far more concerned about uh, your heart. Again, turn over to James. If you don't know where James is, it's, uh, uh, if you can find Hebrews, it's the book right after Hebrews. That's how I always find James. Because James is a little bit smaller of a book. <clears throat> James chapter 1. In verse 22, uh, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So this is an interesting thing. Somebody who would, would be a hearer, <clears throat> let, let me, let me, let me, wait, wait a second, let me, let me, re, let me read this verse again. Um, verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. <clears throat> so somebody who would be a hearer of the word thinks that they're fooling everybody else, right? Is that not the implication here? But who are they really fooling? They're only fooling themselves. Now they think they're pulling the wool over everybody else's eyes and they may be for a little while. But ultimately, people kind of figure it out after a while. And they're only fooling themselves. <clears throat> Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving their own selves. Now, <clears throat> let's make some application here 
and then we'll move on to the next chapter. Uh, the truth about who Jesus is has important application for every Christian. The first one here is reject, reject any teacher who denies or questions Jesus's deity. Right out of the gate. <clears throat> let me let me tell you this, because especially with the internet, <laughs> be careful who you listen to on the internet. There are a lot of people out there, a lot of quote unquote preachers that sound really, really good. Yeah, male and female. And I, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Rick, or not, but back several years ago, Rick, Rick came to me and he said, he said, Pastor, I've been listening to this guy and I forget what radio station you've been listening to. But he said, there's something he's, he, he's saying that just isn't right. My, you said, my spirit just is not... You remember that? I don't even remember who it was. I don't care who it was. But see, that's right then, you, you, you should just turn it off. That's the Holy Spirit saying, don't listen to this guy. But there are a lot of people out there, and they'll, <clears throat> and they'll make little statements. But boy, I'll tell you what, if they deny or even hint at denying the deity of Jesus Christ, you need to just shut them off. Because that is dangerous, dangerous territory. The second one here. <clears throat> Look for opportunities to tell others about Jesus, uh, excuse me, about who Jesus is and how they can be saved. <clears throat> what is the greatest witnessing tool that you and I possess? Our lives, our testimonies. To be able to, to <clears throat> have somebody say to you, hey, how are you doing? I am doing great. You know what God did in my life this week? Just tell them. Just, just lay it out there. Let, let, them, let them deny the fact that God is answering prayer in your life. It's the best opportunity that we have to share the gospel is what God is currently doing in our lives. And then the third one, pray about the burdens and temptations you are faced with you are facing and <clears throat> and remember that he is with you. Puts it in you you have to put it in perspective. You have to put it in perspective. Okay, so let's turn over to the next lesson here. Let's see. Page number 75. Okay. Let's see. Oh, no, no, that, those are the daily devotions. Okay, you're supposed to be doing those on your own. The, the, the light gray pages, you're supposed to be doing the light gray pages on your own. Yeah, those are daily devotions. So page 75, lesson number four, your salvation. <clears throat> now, I believe 
that the majority of the people in this room are saved. How many of you would agree with that statement? Okay. Why did I use the word majority? Okay, because I don't know. I, I, I would tell you his name, and I don't think he would be upset if I did, but I'm, I'm not going to. Um, but there was a man and his family uh, <clears throat> that came to our church for, uh, for I don't know, three or four years, um, probably about three years. Uh, he was in the military, and his, they, they have since moved away. Um, the very first Sunday they came to church, they sat right here, the whole family. And <clears throat> you're like, okay, who was it? <laughs> no, you you don't need to know. It doesn't matter. Uh, but they sat they sat right here. And you know, on, on the outward appearance, on you know, my thought was, wow, these people look like they've been in church before. You know, because you, you generally can tell somebody who's comfortable in church and somebody who's not. Somebody who is not comfortable in church is not going to sit right in the front row. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> so uh, we were we were talking as as they they joined our church and we were talking one time and and it, early in the early in in the church relationship with this family and <clears throat> um, said something and they had been in. In, in good churches across our, our country, as you know, they've moved around, and even in the world, they've been stationed every different places. And somehow it came up about discipleship. And they, they told me, well, we've never been discipled. I said, well, man, I would love to disciple you. So I, I started going over uh, one night a week, and we sit down with the Bible. And it wasn't this study at the time. It was another study we were doing. But it had a section on salvation, and we went as we were going through that. <clears throat> he looked at me and he said, "You know, I've never done that." I'm like, what are you talking about, man? You've been in some really good churches. I know the pastors of these churches. He's like, "Yeah, but I've never put my faith. I've never prayed and gotten saved." He, yeah, he. He even, I think, if my memory serves me correct, he grew up going to church. So he just kind of, you know, just played the played along. And never ever did he ever put his faith and trust in Christ. So that's one of the reasons why I never take for granted that everybody in church is saved. I've been in churches, <clears throat> the the our our home church, the church that sent us out here. Uh, <clears throat> We had a deacon get saved. <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay? He finally, again, it was, a, it was a man in his 50s. He had grown up going to church, playing the game, knew all the right language. But he reached a point in his life in his probably early to mid-50s, and he thought, you know what? If I die, I'm going to hell. He's like, I ain't playing that game no more. And he got saved. 
Yeah. Yeah. So along that line, that could make it sound like they were playing a game. But when you have so much head knowledge, you think you're safe. And it has to go from the head to the heart for you to realize I've never fully trusted. I just was believe I it's head knowledge and that came up this week because a cousin is dealing with a cousin who has a ton of head knowledge and his father was a pastor, but there's no evidence in his life. And the same thing happened to me. My mother told me I was saved at the age of four. And then as a child at camp, I made a profession. But as a young mother pregnant with Ashley, I was confronted with, if you die today, do you know for sure? And I didn't know for sure. And I made sure. Right. And so you never, you can't ever. And it's not always that playing a game. Now, for some people, young young people that will grow up in church sometimes, they are playing a game. But sometimes it's just you never transfer that. You never internalize it. Right. Yeah. Any any questions about that before we move on, Rick? You you would you you would think, not but you know not necessarily. See, you have to understand um, when when you know like like yeah Tim our son Tim is a perfect example. Um, you know, Tim grew up going to church from the, you know, I mean, he was in nursery from day one, uh, Sunday school. He went to Christian school. Uh, <clears throat> well, but he, Christian school and, and homeschooled. Uh, I mean, he, he knew the Bible inside out, but Bible college, he, our church ordained him into the ministry. And then, but they were in Kentucky, what, two, three years? Yeah, two or three two years. Or three years. And, and he called me one day and says, hey, Dad, I got something to tell you. I'm like, okay, what's that? I got saved. I baptized him. I baptized him. What, what he's about 12? 10. 10, 10, 12 years old. I baptized him. You know, he got saved. I'm like, Okay, <laughs> you know now, <clears throat> now, now, now. Let, let me say that I could have very easily have said, "But son, you got saved when you were ten years old. I baptized you after you got saved." Okay, <clears throat> what would that have accomplished? Nothing. Exactly. I don't. I. I. I did. You know. I. I could have swore at the time, and and I. I believe that he he probably was, but the point is he he wasn't sure. So what did he do? He made sure. Well, as I did with the lady on Friday, Romans ten nine says that we confess with our mouth, but we have to believe in our heart. And a lot of Right. Yeah. Rick? It it doesn't matter. That that yeah. I, I I've I've known of pastors that have gotten saved. Uh, honestly, I do. Well, Tim was a 
Well, yeah, and Tim was a pastor. But I mean, I mean, I, I know pastor, pastor, you know, older pastors that have finally realized it and say, you know what, I've been playing the game my whole life. And, and they get saved. He did. He did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Any any other questions? Because this is important. Yeah. Well, since you're on the topic, I think I know the answer to it. But I know, having been in through a lot of these, uh, discipleship stuff, uh-huh. I know a lot of people oftentimes have a little doubt in their head. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about doubt, okay? We're, that's one of the things we're going to talk about. Yeah, okay. I know a lot of people. We, having gone to church my whole life, I know I'm saved, but teachers, preachers, when they were approached with something, they can cite your head in. Yeah, and, and, and like, like I said, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're, going to be talking, we're going to be talking about doubt because, because what happens, um, and, and we're going to be talking about this more, but now that you brought it up, but what happens when sin in, enters our lives? There's, there's, two, there's two options. Do we lose our salvation or do we create separation between us and God? Okay, so we create this separation, right? And then what happens? God says, don't bother praying because... I, I won't hear your prayers if you're living in sin. Okay? So then what happens when we pray, when we're living in sin, that doubt starts to happen because God's not... If you Have you ever prayed? I can't tell you how many times I've heard this, this statement. I've even said this statement. I feel like my prayers are what? Bouncing off the ceiling. Why? Because there's separation between me and my Father. Right. Okay. Anything else before we continue on? Okay. Uh, Introduction here. What a wonderful day it was in my life when, uh, in your life, excuse me, when you trusted Jesus. Now, obviously, the author is assuming that everybody who's reading this is saved. Um, <clears throat> as your Savior, um, uh, turning exclusively to Christ for your redemption. The Bible uses rich metaphors to describe that moment. Um, <clears throat> uh, you pass from darkness to light in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Uh, you are born again. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said, or excuse me, answered and said unto him, uh, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 1, 23. Being born again, uh, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 
you have been redeemed or bought back. I love this word redeemed, uh, being bought back. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. <clears throat> For as much as ye know that ye have not uh, redeemed um, with corruptible things as silver and gold, for your vain conversation received by the tradition uh, from your fathers, but the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Uh, you are adopted into God's family, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For ye have uh, not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Yes, ma'am. Right. No. No. Every 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 person is is God's creation. Okay. Okay. But not every person is God's child. Okay. There there's there is a huge difference. Yeah. There there's that. Yeah, there, there's a there, there's a huge difference between those two things. Yes. Anything else? <clears throat> okay. Uh, your next blank here. Uh, all of that took place at the moment you called on the Lord for salvation. Isn't that awesome? Uh, I I <laughs> one of the classes I I took in college I, I should look up the notes on it I, but one of the classes I took in college uh, it, it, it was the 157 things that happen to you when you get saved and I'm like I, I, I don't remember what I'm I'm just doing a number but but I mean there but it, I mean it, but it's like it, this huge number of things theologically that when we are saved that God does in our lives. I, I should, <clears throat> but, but man. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, it is, it is, it is phenomenal when you take into consideration everything that happens the moment you're saved. Now, does a person like, like when, you know, when I got saved, age 19, on, on board the USS Frank Cable, uh, <clears throat> the guy who led me to Christ, what do you think would have happened if he'd have said, you know, now let me explain to you the 157 things that just happened? I, I'm like, I, I, I would have been like, uh, yeah. <laughs> All I knew is one moment I was on my way to hell and... The next moment, I'm on my way to heaven. That's that's all I cared about. And the theologian that figured out those hundred and some odd things, you know, more power to him. But you know what? The reality is, I'm adopted into his family. I was turned from darkness to light. I, I love that these these things that he gives us here. I'm born again. I'm redeemed. I'm bought back. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> if I can find the notes, 
They're they're somewhere. I probably burned them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, really, what we should do is have her look for them because she's the one filed all that stuff. So anyway, we'll I'll see. <clears throat> we'll we'll see if I can find them. Uh, um, so in this lesson, uh, we will look at some questions. Okay, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna end after this, um, but. Uh, we're going to look at some questions um, that you may have about salvation. The first one is, for instance, can you lose your salvation? We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, what if uh, you don't feel saved or do you have doubts? Okay, yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Maybe it's fifty. I yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, hey. Yeah. <laughs> now you have three guys that are. I check proof. Yeah, proof checking. I know. I can't. You know. I can't. You know. I I can't say anything and get away with it. So. Yeah. <clears throat> no, we're moving him to New Hampshire. <clears throat> um. <laughs> uh, okay what if what if you don't feel saved again that goes back to the question of having doubt you, you know there are literally days that you're not going to feel saved exactly and that's and that's what we're going to talk about uh and then uh and is there anything i should do now that <clears throat> you are saved and the answer to that is yes okay Let's go ahead and stop here. Uh...